0: Well, look, I'll, I'll I'll say a few things. One, I have been told on many occasion that I have the uh, face for radio. So uh, <laughs> we we record only the audio for the for the purpose of the podcast. Uh, okay. that's one. Two, I think you look great. You look like um, you know you look like a a woman who is out there literally feeding the masses. And bean fly on top. You know what I mean? Look, I mean, it's it's not an easy job and you, you're pulling it off with grace. So,
1: Okay, thank you for lying to me. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> uh,
0: ladies and gentlemen, you are <laughs> at the beginning of a quarantined edition of the Corner Store Podcast. And I'm talking uh, via Zoom uh, to Liz from 40 Acres Fresh Market. Liz is in her car uh, because she has just made a drop of goods um and a a little bit like a drug dealer but a much fresher (laughs) and better kind of produce that you are sharing with people uh liz thank you so much
1: do you want to know why this is so funny? Yes, is because I actually have a customer. I will not call her out by name. Okay, who texts me and is like, "Do you have any more of those mangoes? Can I get a case of the mangoes?" <laughs> and I swear, in like less than a week, she's ordered two full cases of mangoes and gone through both of like, is going through both of them. <laughs> and so I do kind of feel like I am her pusher. Yes, and I've gotten her hooked on like these little yellow baby mangoes. And so I have another friend who calls me a kale slinger. He's like, you just be slinging kale through the neighbor. You're out
0: here. <laughs> exactly. No, you're like, so, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm a dealer. <laughs> no, you, I all you are the, um, you are the freeway Ricky Ross of, um, of organic <laughs> produce, um, or not, but no. Okay. All right. Liz, let's, so what, what what do you what is your role at, and what is Forty Acres Fresh Market?
1: So my role is I'm the owner and operator founder. Forty Acres Fresh Market is my baby. Um, so it a fish like technically I started it in November 2017 when I got my tax ID number so I could pay the state of Illinois. You know, it's sales tax because it requires that pound of flesh. Um, but we launched and did our first market January 20th of 2018. Uh, uh 40 acres fresh market is a, it's a grocery startup. Um, we are, I want to say this hundred percent. We are not a nonprofit. We're not a food pantry. We are a grocery business with the focus on increasing access to fresh food in underserved communities. Um, our target community is the austin community we want a grocery store austin needs a grocery store um a lot of people have kind of tried to steer me away from brick and mortar retail they're like oh you can just do delivery or just stay with the pop-ups and i i can't stress enough that when you're talking about communities that are underserved when it comes to fresh food access it's about the built environment simply like and this is no shade to any organizations that are doing this work like meeting people's immediate need where they are is super important so whether that be like a a a produce truck or a produce bus that people can come and it it comes into the neighborhood it meets that need in the moment but it doesn't make that neighborhood not a food desert anymore like so ultimately what these communities need are, is like consistent healthy food infrastructure. And that's in this where we are, that, that's grocery stores. It, you know, you can supplement with community gardens and, you know, urban farms and seasonal farmers markets. But day in, day out, where do people get their food? Is they're going to the store. And if your neighborhood doesn't have those stores, one of two things are happening. Either you're foregoing those foods and getting what's available in your neighborhood, which doesn't happen as, which happens, but not to the extent that people make it seem. Or what's happening more than people like to acknowledge is that you're going outside of your neighborhood and spending money elsewhere. So if you live in, let's say, before South Shore got its grocery store, if you lived in South Shore, you were probably going to High Park. If you live in Austin, you're more than likely going to Oak Park to get your groceries. If you live in North Lawndale, you're probably going to Cicero because it's like the next town over. So basically you have these predominantly black working class neighborhoods spending a crap ton of money because groceries are like it's a staple. You're buying it all the time. In other areas, so other areas get the commerce, you get the tax base, you get the jobs. And what do our neighborhoods get? Oh, you need more food pantries. Well, fuck that. No. Right. Right. And then we get told, we get told that our neighborhoods can't support a grocery store while we are literally supporting grocery stores in the next neighborhood over.
0: Right. Right. And, and, and you know, let's be clear that the, the brick and mortar grocery store was, you know, one of the found, you know, a, 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 along with other businesses, was a foundational element of building a strong, viable black middle class uh, in Chicago and in other cities, you know, across the country. And so, it's,
1: found, it's foundational to a neighborhood economy. When I was looking for, when I bought my condo, one of the first things I looked at at any neighborhood I was looking at was, how close is a grocery store to this location? Can I walk to the grocery store?
0: Right.
1: Is there some place that I can go to get my meat, to get my food, that doesn't require me to drive a long distance? That doesn't require me to take like two buses. Is there something within walking distance? Because when I first moved to Chicago, I'm not from here. When I first moved, I lived in the South Loop, and I lived at State and Ro- State and Eleventh, and that's like an embarrassment of riches. You got a Trader Joe's I love that Trader Joe's in the South (laughs) um at Wabash and Roosevelt right Kitty Corner is a jewel at State slash Wabash and Roosevelt right up the road is the Target and even further up Roosevelt is a Whole Foods like there's so that's for me that that was my introduction to like this is what it's like to get groceries in Chicago. You should be able to walk to your neighborhood store right here, or have four neighborhood stores within walking distance. So when I'm going into black neighborhoods, and I'm like, wow, depending on where you live in this neighborhood, you don't even have one store that you can walk to, not even one. I can't find an apple. I can't find a pack of strawberries on a hot summer day. I'm gonna call it what it is. I'm gonna call it bullshit.
0: Yes. Well, so where do where do you come from?
1: I'm from New York. I'm from upstate New York, born and raised. Um, and, came out here in 2012 to go to grad school.
0: Okay. And what what uh, what were you studying? I got my MBA. Okay. And did you know going into your MBA that no. you? Okay. No. All right.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. This was not part of the plan. This was not. I I moved to Chicago to get away from groceries. I worked for General Mills for 10 years in sales, and so grocery stores were my customers. Yeah. And I had no interest in being in the grocery industry a day longer.
0: What what were you doing for General Mills? Sales. Yeah, okay.
1: My pop-up marketing though she lives in Jersey, and so it turned out that one of her sorority sisters... Um, works for Essence and interviewed Oprah and during the interview with Oprah Oprah name dropped 40 Acres Fresh Market so she was having like a total geek out girl moment like oh my gosh my my was interviewing Oprah and Oprah just like name dropped my friend's business holy crap and so I saw that this morning on Facebook and basically fell out <laughs> completely I was like oh my gosh Oprah Winfrey said 40 Acres Fresh Market during an interview
0: well, and how does that happen?
1: Um, um, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out. No. Um, so it all started with uh, Pastor Marshall Hatch. He called me probably a month ago and said they were putting together this coalition that was dealing with food security, food insecurity during COVID in Chicago. And he's like, if we're talking West Side, if we're talking food, we're talking like that's a conversation you're obviously going to be in. And I was like, so I was like, okay, what do you need? And, you know, he started talking about reviving the pop-up markets. And this was like back in early April. And I was like, Nabi, we are not reviving pop-up markets. No, it was probably mid to late April. And I was like, that's not happening we're not doing pop-up markets in a week or so everything is shut down the governor just extended the stay at home order I'm not putting my staff at risk I'm not putting people at risk we just he's like, but you're an essential business I'm like yes we are but we don't have the sorry I'm trying to find this bottle of Gatorade that's in my car because I'm super thirsty
0: no please stay hydrated yeah I don't want you to pass out from lack of and I, liquids. Ah, yes. I
1: like the, I like
0: this tour of your car though this is nice <laughs>
1: I live in it because I'm in it all the time. And Fair. my boyfriend left a Gatorade that he didn't finish drinking. So
0: shout out to him. Yeah. Oh my
1: god. Yes. Shout out to him right now. Yeah. He's the real MVP. He's <laughs> <laughs> not getting this back.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Look, finders keepers. I think that's the rule.
1: You left it in the you left it in my car. So basically, you wanted me to have it. It
0: was a that's gift. I mean, I think I think he was had forethought.
1: He had four thought that I was going to be thirsty. That's right. He
0: was looking out for you. Yeah, exactly.
1: Thank you. He was. (laughs) So basically, uh, Pastor Hatch said, "Okay, you can't do pop-up markets. Get on this call. And it was a midday call. And at the time, my days, basically, once I left the house by like 9 a.m., I was pretty much out of pocket. I was packing. I was buying food. Helping pack delivery orders and then immediately turning around, routing two to three drivers and doing and doing my own delivery route too. There was just no time. I'm like, there's no way I can get on this call. That's prime buying time for me. I can't get on this call in the middle of the day. He's like, you're really. He's like, you know, you're you're gonna want to be on this call. Like, do your best to make this Zoom call. I'm just like, Whatever. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, y'all don't really understand my life. You don't understand what I have going on. Like. If you want to talk at 7 a.m., I can do that. Talk at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Once I leave the house, like...
0: I'm in these streets.
1: Yeah, I don't have time for you. Right. So he puts me on... So he gives me the invitation. He's texting me that day, like, try to be on that call, but if you can't be on the calls or anything you want me to say on your behalf, I'm like, I'm going to do my best. I get on the call, like, 10, 15 minutes late, and everybody's doing their spiel, their introductions. It's my turn. I talk about 40 Acres. And then I realized they keep talking about Oprah Winfrey. And I'm like, what does Oprah have to do with any of this? Like, this makes no sense. And then I realized that this woman who's leading the call, who I don't recognize, works for the Oprah Winfrey Foundation. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cute. That's cool. And I said, we had like several of these calls before I actually realized that we were trying to get funding from the Oprah Winfrey Foundation. And it wasn't until about two days before the pitch to Oprah about what Live Healthy Chicago was going to do that I realized, oh, crap, we're pitching Oprah herself. Okay. So that shows how much I was really paying attention. (laughs) But it was just because, you know, at the time, we had just brought on three new staff members. We were getting upwards of like 25 to 30 new delivery orders a day, um, which is, doesn't sound like a ton, but when, before you, you might get, Seven in a week.
0: Wow! Right.
1: Thirty days is a lot. We have no systems in place, meaning that even though we have a delivery website, you can order online. It's actually a Google form. There's no automation in in our online thing. That's why we never really like tried to get a lot of like TV or press about our delivery service because we were like, well, until we get a new website, we can't actually handle all these orders. Well, COVID came and people were like, janky website be damned. We just need to get fresh produce. We'll work with you. So we have our general manager who is a brilliant, you know, one year out of college grad. great with social media, great with marketing, Um, just like a bevy of like energy and ideas, basically transcribing orders all day to get them off of the Google form into an order form that our packers can then read and pack these orders and so we have new packers on once again we don't have proper grocery pos and like inventory management systems we use square and we make square work but it's not really built for grocery not especially not produce and so like they're learning how to figure out like okay which one of these 12 prices for oranges is the actual price for orange oranges i'm supposed to use today they're using the wrong prices we have to correct orders left and right you know just training new people it just it takes time to get them on board to understand your company systems and everything so we have all this going on and then this group wants to meet about food insecurity and i'm just like yeah, we care about that, but like, ultimately, we're a grocery business, we just want to sell more groceries and build a sustainable food, a sustainable, healthy food business in on the west side, you know, in Austin, that's all I really care about. And so like, at the time, I was like, "I don't really like. I'll do whatever you need me to do, but I don't have time for this." That was kind of my attitude because I didn't realize how big it was and what was happening around me. Yeah, because I was just so deep into the business, and they'd schedule calls and they'd be like, "Hey, can everybody talk at seven tonight?" I'm like, "No, I can't talk at seven. I am on i ninety heading out south to go do these deliveries in in South Shore or Inglewood or Beverly or Morgan Park or." Chatham or South Chicago or that that's where that's where I'm at tonight and then I have to shoot all the way up to the north side to deliver darn near and Evanston and I don't know how you people up here heard about us like who who are like where are all these people coming from like yeah so my I wasn't really in the headspace to like really understand that I was being pulled into this like pretty major coalition of some heavy hitters in Chicago, as well as the biggest heavy hitter of them all, Oprah Winfrey.
0: Right. And so
1: I, I wish I could tell you I was more strategic about it, but I think I could just say like, I did the work ahead of time. Like I, I'd been doing the work for so long that like when the conversation came and she was looking for organizations and she was looking to put this together, 40 acres kind of just like rose to the top of that discussion. Cause we made ourselves like the, Like we made ourselves like the gate, but like the food game in town when you're talking Austin or West side and healthy food enterprises.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's right. Uh, And I mean, so that must be obviously it's, that is a big deal when Oprah shouts you out. I mean, if Oprah shouts out anything, it becomes a big deal.
1: My mom is like, (laughs) my mom is super
0: excited. Yeah, of course.
1: And you know, and I told my mom about the call with Oprah and like, she went and just told the whole family. Then she posted on Facebook before Oprah even made her. Announcement. I was like, Mom, you have to take that down immediately. You don't, you don't steal Oprah Winfrey's thunder, Mom. Like, I know you're excited, but this is not your flex, Mom. This is not this is my flex, Mom. This is not your flex with your friend. Yeah, And he can calm down and wait until I give you something to share.
0: Yeah, take that down. But. Yeah, she's It's your mom's flex, really, though, too, isn't it? I mean, like, she, yeah, by association, it kind of is. Yeah, she raised me. Yeah, exactly. She's like, that. that's my baby. Um, So what was the call with Oprah like? I, can you speak on it?
1: Surreal. Yeah. Sur-
0: is it um, just you and her? Did she, like, pull up on you? She's like, Liz. <laughs> no. So actually, it was a coalition of us. So I, like, I got a shout out, you
1: know, Westside United Aisha Jayco is the executive director and she's a beast.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, She basically ran that ship. She ran that call. Uh, Jamal Cole of My Block, My Hood, My City um, had a huge part in just putting the deck together and the work he's doing, you know, especially on the south side and throughout the city. Um, Marshall Hatch Jr., who runs uh, the Moffa Redemption Project, they all had much bigger roles and parts in this than, than, than I did. Um, I had a slide on, on, on the call. Um, so basically I just kind of sat there listening to everybody else present and was like, Oh my God, that's Oprah. Oh my God, that's Oprah. Until it came time to discuss 40 acres and nobody can talk 40 acres like I can talk 40 acres. So I actually did a little bit of a, an intro to who we are and what we do. And then I kind of took it from there and I was like, you have to understand like why we're different and we're the only small business in this coalition and like i just think that it goes to show that when you're talking social impact when you're talking like who can like radically change enterprise i mean change neighborhoods um non- non-profits aren't the only game in town they're not the only ones who can have really significant long-term social impact. Um, and I've been saying that for a while, and I'm hoping that you know, the fact that Oprah was cool with us being part of this coalition, not being, you know, a 501c3, but being a small business that's, you know, trying to scale and trying to grow, but with a mission, that it makes other philanthropists, investors kind of take a look at social enterprises as more than as, as more than just like charities, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need businesses in neighborhoods. If neighborhoods are going to be viable and self-sustaining and have, you know, basic resources that other neighborhoods have.
1: I've been saying this and, you know, I was talking with Malcolm Crawford of, um, triple abna austin african-american business networking association and we were discussing like you know in, when you take small businesses out of a neighborhood when you see whole commercial corridors areas that are zoned for commercial use that have very few businesses that erodes a neighborhood's tax base like you, you can't do anything when every single building is occupied by an entity that's not a tax-paying entity,
0: <laughs> right. right? Yeah, like, well, we
1: need that tax base. Well, and the- I don't there's not room for like nonprofits. And this is this is the booth girl in me. This is the you Chicago. Like, government has its sphere and the stuff that it can do really well. That like other that other sectors absolutely can't. The business has the stuff it does really well that other sectors just can't do. And nonprofit kind of fills in those those gaps where business and government can't fill. But nonprofit doesn't replace the role of business and commerce, especially when it comes to economic development in a neighborhood. And it just seems that, like, for decades, the, the prevailing strategy was, if we're going to put any investment in neighborhoods that need it, it's going all to the nonprofits. And I'm like, well... What about the small businesses? And the thing that's so interesting when you talk about the West Side and you talk about like the need for economic development is like there's a shit ton of micro businesses that are in these the girl that does you know hair in her hair in her house, the dudes that fix cars, like they can really fix cars, you know, in these back alleys and lots, like they're running micro businesses that they will never get funded to actually scale so that they can have a like so that they can create a neighborhood tax base they can create more jobs they can do more like you keep them because like nobody thinks about funding them nobody thinks about bringing these micro enterprises to even small business scale we're not talking about facebook scale we're just talking about getting a getting the dude who's working out of his garage into a shop.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, and it go, there's the, the neighborhoods have, you know, the, it teams with, with entrepreneurs. I mean, the, you know, the days of the candy lady, I mean, the, there are, you know, examples and examples of people being ingenuitous in order to make a dollar, you know?
1: Exactly. And it's like, we don't, I feel like we don't respect that. Yeah. We respect it. And we don't like, we don't nurture that into something more. Um, It's like we act like it's not there, and I'm like, nah. People are like really skilled. The the dudes, these men and women can fix anything, make anything, right? And it's like they will never get the capital they need to go beyond right doing formally,
0: right? Yeah.
1: And I'm just like, if you really want to invest in these communities, why aren't you investing? Why aren't you finding these people and investing? in these people and in these micro enterprises that could be so much more that could give a whole entire neighborhood an economic basis for jobs goods and services like it it makes it makes no sense
0: and i
1: think that the reason that 40 acres has gotten what it's gotten is because i'm respectable like I talk a certain way. I come from a certain place. I've been through the halls of certain institutions. So people feel comfortable backing what I'm doing more than they would feel comfortable backing what, you know,
0: yeah. Folks in the alley are doing exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. There's a respectability. I mean, there's a, obviously like a classism, a racism. And, you know, I think it's, I think these are the, reasons why, you know, this investment does not happen time and again, and also why it's easier to invest or put money toward nonprofits, because oftentimes they come from outside of a neighborhood. Um, And it is, you know, people consider that businesses consider it charitable work. It isn't about sustaining and maintaining a community. It's about fixing. And there is, uh, you know, an endless Uh, renewable resource of white saviorism that, you know, uh, rears its ugly head in the city and beyond. So um, I said none of those. My words, words, my words, my words. Um, Well, all right. So 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 look, you know, um, you you mentioned I I, want to what is the what is what is the plan for 40 acres? What is it now? And where where is it moving?
1: Right now, we are still a mobile market um, that offers that does pop up markets, produce stands and delivery service. Right now, we can only do delivery service. Um, And it just turned out that delivery service exploded for us during the age of COVID, um, becoming bigger than any other parts of our business. Um, But I have not let that deter me or make me lose focus on the fact that we want a store. Yeah. it's about it's about the built environment it's about the jobs it's about creating neighborhood infrastructure and an institution it's about creating that anchor and we can't do we we can't make the i can't forty acres can't do what it's Mission is with without that. It's not simply about just bringing food to people. It's, we've always said it's bigger than food. The second, I always knew I wanted a grocery store. Like my path to the grocery store was okay. I'll just do these pop up markets and like they'll grow over time, and then eventually we'll get a store. It's kind of like how Pete started. Pete started as a produce stand that they eventually built walls around, and then those walls got bigger and bigger and bigger, and now Pete's is like a behemoth, a privately owned just juggernaut that's run really, really well and is really fucking smart because they own everything. They own their land. They own their buildings. Like I'd love to see their asset portfolio and what that's worth. But like, but they do what they do really well. They do you, they have produce as a destination. They have affordable produce as a destination category and then they have everything else under the sun to just kind of draw you in at once you've gotten your watermelon at 49 cents a pound you know it's like okay fine i will pay eight bucks for this pack of duck bacon and another (laughs) six bucks for a a pint of ben and jerry's and 20 bucks for wine and whatever like they They know what they're doing, yeah. Um, but they started off really, really small, and so that was always my thing is that, like, start small and grow.
0: Um, And do you eventually see it as as a conglomerate, as a chain, as store after store after store?
1: You know, I don't know. I know that the need is there in more than just Austin. I know that, but, like, grocery is... It can be a very lucrative business as I'm talking about with like, you know, your Tony's your Pete's whatever, but it's a hard ass business. It's, it's hard. The margins are razor thin. You've got to do volume. You have to have capital. I've seen stores open and close in less than a year. It's a hard business. If you can't make it work pretty quickly. So that's why I started small. Cause I'm like, there's just less to make work. Um, so my whole thing was get to sustainability and then focus on scalability. Because if, if I can make it sustainable, I can figure out why it's sustainable and then rec- what's repeatable and then scale from there. So I know a lot of startups, their first thing is get to scale fast, scale, scale, scale. That's, to me, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, you have businesses that are huge in scale that still have yet to turn a profit. Square, Uber. It yeah. took Amazon how many decades to be profitable but when you're run by white men, people just think, Oh, you're big, you know what you're doing, so we'll throw billions of dollars at you.
0: Yeah. Well and that- I don't
1: have that I don't have that luxury yeah. like to go ten years without ever turning a profit and people like buying us on the stock market for God knows how much. Tesla isn't profitable. Like I can name so many freaking companies that are not profitable that still get not millions but billions in investment. Yeah. I don't have that luxury. Yeah. So I've got to figure out the path to profitability first before I think about scalability. Would it be nice to have a conglomerate in a chain? Yeah, like when you're by yourself in your bedroom, you're like, wow, this could really be something. But like in the day-to-day, it's like, no, get efficient, get lean, get the volume, do it at the least cost possible, and just get to... Get
0: to sustainability. Get to profitability. That's my thought process. That makes sense. Why? Why Austin for you as a community?
1: Um, it's completely accidental. Um, I was going through a mystery shopping phase, and the mystery shopping assignment that I chose was on Chicago Avenue, and it said like fifty two hundred Chicago Avenue. This is back in six. This is back in twenty sixteen when I didn't know Chicago neighborhoods like that. All I knew was that when I was looking for my condo, my friends had said, don't go West to Western. Um, They're like, it gets, they're like, you don't belong West to Western. I was like, well, what's wrong with West to Western? And at the time, Humboldt was just really starting to gentrify. And so people in Humboldt were like, no, it's actually fine. Just don't go past like Kenzie. Don't don't go (laughs) past the park. Right. I was like, oh, all right. So. I don't know Chicago geography, right? So I knew that in my head. So when the address was like fifty two hundred West Chicago Avenue, I was like, "That's definitely past Kedzie. But when I'm going to O'Hare, that neighborhoods near O'Hare are like really nice, and those are like five thousand West and beyond. So I'm thinking that like, okay, it gets quote and then it turns back once you get a far enough west and then you're near the airport that's what i assumed yeah i didn't understand the whole north south thing too so i hop on the 66 bus to run this errand and just i thought you know you're passing you pass western then you pass california you pass the park the neighborhood changes on the chicago Mm. avenue bus you visibly see a change you see it and i'm like okay Eventually, where where I'm going, it's gonna change back. I my stop was Chicago and Laramie, and I'm getting off at Chicago and Laramie, and I'm like, the neighborhood did not change back, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like okay, and I'm seeing like, and this is before a lot of the investment that's happened, even in the last year or two, boarded up buildings, liquor stores, and it's at that very moment that I'm like, oh crap, I need cash, and I'm like, okay, let me go find the bank because I'm not going to pay a corner store ATM fee. I'm too cheap for that. Yeah. Oh, well, crap, I can't find a bank in walking distance. All right, let me go to the drugstore. Let me go to CVS or Walgreens, buy a pack of candy, get cash back. Oh, crap. There's not a CVS or Walgreens any, like, It's over a mile away. I can't walk to that. All right, let me go to the grocery store. I hate waiting in line behind somebody with a massive cart full of stuff, but I'll do it. It's cool. Oh crap. There's no grocery store around here. And then I'm thinking, well, where the hell am I? Right. Where am I that these things that are basic, that the first things that come to my mind don't they don't exist? Like where is it?
0: Yeah.
1: And it takes me a while to like try to like find like the the uh the geographic clues. I realize I'm in Austin. And I'm like I've heard of Austin. I've never heard anything good about Austin um, at that point in time. Now I love Austin. And I'm like, so I'm like, it's one of the best neighborhoods in Chicago, beautiful housing stock, parks, well-accessed by public transportation. But I didn't know this by the time. All you hear is like what you hear on the news, and everything you hear on the news is negative. So I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> Let me go run this errand and, and get out of here as quickly as possible. And – It just stuck with me. It stuck with me, the disparity, the difference between what I'm used to living, having lived in the South Loop, Lake View, West Town, and then what communities of people who look just like me are living in, they don't have that same access to those resources, I'm just like, that's just not right. Something's wrong with this. Well, where do people shop? Where do people eat? Where do they get the basic things that I'm used to, that I expect? And sometimes you just have those moments in life that just they seem innocuous, but they stay with you. And that was one that stayed with me. So when I put two and two together, that like, hey, well, actually, the inspiration for 40 Acres is actually Stanley's. Do you yeah. Stanley's? Yo,
0: rest, like, yeah, RIP. Rest in peace. Yeah.
1: Yes. yes. So shout out to Stanley's. Wow. Best produce market in the city. For real loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I think one day I was there buying strawberries for a dollar and I was like, how am I in Lincoln park buying strawberries for a dollar? But just a few weeks ago I was over in Austin and I couldn't find a grocery store to save my life. Somebody should put a Stanley's on the West side. Somebody should do that. Somebody should do that. Love it. And so finally I was like, well, why can't I do it? And so that's kind of, how that's, like, that's
0: the magic. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's just kind of, so it's like that experience of being in Austin for the first time, Plus just like putting it together with like grocery shopping in where I, near where I live. And I'm like, I feel like these two could be, could be making like a beautiful marriage. Like this, they think they, they should go together. Like
0: that's, that's the, uh, the Reese's peanut butter chocolate moment. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No,
1: exactly.
0: I, 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 well, this, this is, this is, you know, probably a layup for you, but, uh, you know why is it so important for communities to have access to fresh produce?
1: The layup. yeah, like I know. you want people to live, like right? So people like to <laughs> talk about the violence in Chicago. You know, a lot of people use it as like a political, a political firebomb, or like political hot potato. Like, oh, but what about all the murders, what about all the violence? But you don't talk about the fact that far more people die of stroke, heart disease, diabetes. Like, literally, people are dying. And, like, trust me, dying of diabetes is not a pretty death. It is not, like, heart attacks aren't pretty. Heart failure is not pretty. Like, you see, you see it with COVID-19 and how, like, basically... Not having access to fresh, affordable food. Like, listen, we all love convenience. I love convenience. This is not a black thing. This is not a willpower thing. This is just a human thing. When what's convenient for you is what can kill you over time. Basically, your neighborhood becomes a box of kindling, and you throw a match called COVID-19 on it, and oh my God, how come there's these disparities? Well duh duh so it's extremely important like just from like a health perspective from a giving people the option to have healthy food where they live like if it's inconvenient for me to get something i'm going to get it less it doesn't mean i'm gonna do it not at all but i'm definitely gonna do it less it's so like and even the 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 convenient food options aren't healthy. Like I've never seen a Freshie on the West Side. Yeah, and I love Freshie. Like they're (laughs) that that, that a walkable? Is that how you pronounce it? Oh my goodness! Like I've never seen. I've never even seen a Chipotle. Like you can do Chipotle pretty healthy. Like cancel the wrap, get brown rice, some beans, the chicken, throw the veggies on there. Some oh, some guac sounds really good right now. <laughs> that actually sounds like a really good. Time. I should probably find a Chipotle. Like I've never seen a Chipotle or qdoba on the West Side. Right. Like you don't even see. Like I get Popeyes and let me that that chicken sandwich slaps, but it'll slap you in your ass if you have too many of them.
0: For real, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like that's all I see. I see. I see JJs. Like they, they really do some things with fried chicken and fried fish. Like. but it's not the fact that those businesses exist it's the fact that there's no balance to them. There's no counterpoint to them.
0: No. Yeah. This is, this is, this is real. There's
1: no alternative. And so in order to get that alternative, I have to get in my car and go further.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Liz, how can people shop support, get involved with 40 acres or are you at the max? You're like, don't even fucking contact us.
1: No, like we, we will take more business. Like with this new investment, like the whole purpose, I will talk to you later, Mr. Hatch. Uh, um, the whole purpose of the funding is so that we can do more. So you can go on our website, 40 acres, Um, that's the word, 40, 40 F-O-R-T-Y, 40acresfreshmarket.com. And you can order delivery online. We deliver within the city of Chicago. And we actually mean the city of Chicago, like not not right next to it, but the city of Chicago and the western suburbs. Western suburbs along I-290 up to Westchester. So if you're in, like, Oak Park, Irwin, maywood 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 get on this
0: yo let's go no
1: yes. In maywood. yes so like maywood um, Bellwood Broadview like we we service those suburbs I am sorry to the far north suburbs I am sorry to the far west, the further west suburbs and the south suburbs we just we don't have the capacity to do that right now um And yeah, if you're in the city of Chicago, order a box.
0: Like,
1: people are really impressed with with the quality, with the selection, um, with just the level of service that we provide. And what we also let people do is, you know, while you're buying a box for yourself, buy a box for a family in need. We work with um, local organizations like Buy the Hand, Blood for Kids. Catholic Charities, uh, River City Community Church. Um, we're about to start working with a couple other like churches and pantries to get people these donated boxes. And those are all our customers. Our customers do those donations, and we just make the boxes and give them to organizations that get them to families that have been hard hit by COVID, whether it's job loss, whether it's they're immune compromised, whether it's both um, – we get these boxes out to people um, as, as fast as we can. So um, we also work with chefs on the go-go, who's been doing um, meals for frontline workers, um, fresh meals for frontline workers. So those donations go to that as well. And so I think it's, we made it really easy for people, um, one, to get food, ac- food access to like where they live, but also if they feel like, hey, I wanna feel like I'm doing something during this time like buying a family, some groceries is something just like really basic you can do. And we facilitate that.
0: Oh, that's, that's amazing. And you, you guys, you, people could go on the website at 40 acres, fresh market. You also have an IG page.
1: Yep. We have, so we're at 40 acres, fresh market on Instagram and Facebook. Um, same, same selling. Um, we post stories all the time. We, uh, we, yeah, we post all the time. If you go on our website, you can join our mailing list where we give you updates on what we're doing, when the pop up markets resume, where we're popping up, uh, nutrition tips, um, as well as just kind of talking about like the, the economic justice, food justice, um, and what it really means to to invest in and, and develop a, a community. And that's really what we're what we're looking to do. And we. We, I'll say we, we walk what we're talking. Like, we hire through neighborhood based employment programs. So, um,
0: we work with North Wandale Employment Network, um, Westside Health Authority's Reentry Program. So,
1: yeah, like, this isn't just like, yeah, we're a small business, yeah, I'm the owner, but like, I'm trying to make sure that, like, literally and figuratively, that like whole communities can eat.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, Liz, thank you for the work. Thank you for talking to me and Oprah in the same time period. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: Uh, <laughs> now I got a question for you. Oh, how did you find out about us?
0: Um,
1: I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, you know the uh, one of my one of one of the homies and uh, a teaching artist, Dominique James, who we work with at the organization. That I'm the uh, creative director of Young Chicago Authors, which is a youth literary arts org, Um, put me on. uh, I think that she got a box from y'all, and then she did. Yeah, yeah. I remember
1: that name? Yeah,
0: yeah. So she got a box from y'all, and I was just like, "Who are these folks?" Oh shit, they're <laughs> doing powerful work. I want to. I want to know more, and so yeah. That's well, not. That's thank not you that.
1: for the thank you for the interview. We, no,
0: it's always like,
1: you know talking about what we do and I I I say we a lot because like it's not just me it I could not do this without um like just incredible community partners um when I first started volunteers like shout out Laura Burgos and Ari Bradley for being there day one Dan Rogers friends from school who just like I like what you're doing I'm gonna help you out and then once we started hiring staff um like, just people have been in the trenches with me for, like, a really long time. Our general manager, like, doesn't get a day off. So, like, she's working this every day. Um, our warehouse supervisor, Tracy, um, our staff in the warehouse, our drivers, um, just, like, this is this is not a one-woman band or a one-woman show so they let me be the face but like they they do the work in the background so I can even have time to talk to you so I have to like
0: just yes give of all course time shout to out myself. to that how, how many how many people uh, do you have on staff now
1: so um, three full-time including myself um, another three part-time w2s and then I think another two or three um,
0: 1099 part-time workers too. Great, great. Well, yeah. Continue and good luck. And uh, I'm gonna check out the website after we get off the phone. So, um,
1: yeah, get your box. I know, okay, only, if live, only if you live in the delivery area. I just think you the sorry you're out of the delivery area. I
0: message. live in I live in Uptown. Is that that's all right? Yeah,
1: you're good. You're in Chicago. You're good. We got you.
0: Let's go. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I look forward to uh, to checking it out. And thank you so much for being in the corner store.
1: Of course. Thanks for inviting me
0: shout out our super producer dj cash era big up boss man todd manley thank you to our official corner store photog mercedes zapata salutes to the snack door max also please y'all follow our instagram it's corner underscore pod on ig on twitter tell us who you want to see in the corner store and also please consider dropping a couple of dollars into our patreon account it's patreon.com corner store underscore pod the corner store is brought to you by stolen spirits